Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to week 216 and video episode number 42, the answer to life, the universe, and everything, of Music is Not a Genre. Each week, I take a release from my collection, I discuss it, I give you my take on it, I throw in some other information, uh, related, unrelated, tangential, and I connect it to my music and to other ideas in the rest of the world and life. If you like this podcast or my other podcast, Music Is Everything, or any of the recorded or live music on this channel, please take a moment to subscribe. It would mean a lot to me. And or if you think someone you know might be interested in what I do, whatever that is, and is uh, music obsessive, lives and breathes music, can't live without music, likes all different kinds of music, loves to talk about music and all of that stuff, please take a moment to share the link to this channel with them or to this video or any of the other videos that would also mean a lot to me and uh, as always thank you for being here and thank you for doing those things uh, this week is it's special this Thursday is kind of special this is the first episode of a multi-part series on the idea of illusion in art in particular in music although I'll touch on other forms of art uh, fakery and all of that stuff and uh, this will span both of my podcasts, my Thursday podcast and my Saturday podcast. Uh, don't hold me to how many episodes this will be. I have no idea. I know it will be at least three. And beyond that, I really can't tell you. Uh, but uh, it seemed as though as I was putting a bunch of things together that this idea popped up more than once. It even popped up in a way uh, last Saturday with the uh, Retro So Five Years Ago podcast uh, was kind of a, uh, almost an introduction to this in, in a certain way. Some parts of it were. And so, anyway, the, this is the whole idea. The idea is that all art is somehow both true and not true, both real and fake. It is both authentic and somehow, um, you know, made up, right? Uh, we as consumers, as, as art lovers, you know, as fans use words all the time that touch on this idea. When we talk about an artist as being more authentic or more real or more personal, and we talk about, a, 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 you know, a, an artist whose, you know, background warrants them doing a certain kind of music, or we talk about artists who have sold out, who've um, gone pop or, you know, sold their music to commercials or shows or things like that, which I, you know, I'm actually going to talk about in a different podcast way down the line because I am not a big fan of that uh, way of thinking. Uh, or the idea that some uh, artists 
deliberately, you know, fake, fake what they do, or, you know, we, we use, oh, that song sounded so real. Just all the, the words we use around art and music in particular, in this case, uh, have a lot to do with the idea that we believe that some art is more authentic than other art. And if you stick around for my Saturday podcast, that's actually going to be the topic of that. Um, is, is some art more authentic than other art? But for today, this, uh, this, as this introduction, I think there are, there are two main ways that artists, that the, the artists fake or that there is illusion in art. And one is that kind of base level philosophical existential idea that I touched on slightly uh, in, you know, a minute ago. And that is that all art is somehow fake and it has to be. You know, art is not somebody standing in front of you talking to you at a party. You know, someone can create a movie about a scene like that or a, or a stage play and make it art. But that's the whole point. It's, it's taking something that is somehow true, whether it's a reenactment of something that happened or a truth about uh, existence or a truth about that per person's own personal experience and creating something out of it. And that act of creation immediately makes it also not true, makes it fake. It doesn't mean that, that the intention behind it or the, the meaning behind it is, is, is uh, not true, but that the end result has some element of, of trickery, of illusion, of, of, of fakery. Uh, it's every work of art has some, you know, even ones drawn from direct personal experience has some level of artifice to it, you know, and artifice, I love that word for a couple of reasons. First of all, because, you know, artifice is the noun form of the adjective artificial. And when we think of artificial, we think of fake, not real, right? Artifice is the, is the, is the idea of putting on something that somehow isn't completely true. And my contention is that's all art. That's all art. And in fact, the word art is in the freaking word artifice. And it's because they are related. It's because you can't get away from the fact that in some way all art is made up. Now, a lot of artists have tried to kind of break the fourth wall and cut to the chase on that and kind of eliminate that idea of there's a barrier between what's fake and what's real. A performance art has done that a lot. Avant-garde, uh, you know, found sound. There's, you know, John Cage was big on that. There were there were several other artists who have, you know, attempted to like cinema verite and things like that, and uh, you know, capturing moments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, photographers. But the thing is, there is always going to be a level of um, made upness about all of that. And that doesn't mean that, that the attempts aren't valiant and worthy. I mean, I think the closer we get to the truth, I think is very that's very good. It's very important. But the but the larger point is, it is a person or group of people creating something that did not exist before, and that in itself means that there is an element of illusion or trickery to it. And I don't mean that in a negative way either. I'm not even saying that as a judgment. So. Why am I talking about all this this week? Well, it's because that the, the release that I have chosen to discuss that kind of that started all this off, uh, although, again, I'll say so many things I've been thinking about lately have to do with this, 
is a 12-inch of a single by a band from the 1980s and 90s, uh, Millie Vanilli, called Baby Don't Forget My Number. So maybe you know where I'm going with this, and maybe you don't. If you don't know Millie Vanilli, well, you're in for some interesting info. If you do know Millie Vanilli, you still are, because there's stuff about, that I'll say that you may not know. But if you do know them, then you know where I'm going. And the thing is this. There are two things, if you know them, that you probably remember about them. Of anything else, these two things. One is, and this honestly I had to be reminded of, they were, they were big. They weren't big. They were huge. They weren't huge. They were, they were gigantic. They were pl platinum-selling music stars for a very short period that everyone loved. They were everywhere. Five of their singles from their album, Girl, You Know It's True, reached the top five in the U.S. and elsewhere, but in particular in the U.S., and three of those in the U.S. reached number one. That's how huge they were. They weren't just... They, you know, I mean, they ended up being kind of a flash in the pan in a certain way, but they weren't one-hit wonders, for example. They were gigantic. They were gigantic. One thing that if you know them, you, you might remember that. And I can tell you that I do and did remember it because uh, I was on a bus in college Friday or Saturday night, group of strangers, and when I walked onto the bus, they were all singing Blame It On The Rain. That only happened to me one other time in my life. It was another bus, and the bus driver got everybody on the bus to sing, I think it was Hey Jude, it might have been, I think it was Hey Jude. And everybody was singing Hey Jude. Now, outside of a music venue, outside of a concert or a bar that's playing music or karaoke or anything like that, or even, let's say, a party at somebody's house where everybody's singing, outside of that, those are the only two times that's ever happened to me with a group of strangers. And uh, the fact that one of them was a Beatles song makes perfect sense. The fact that the only other time was a Milli Vanilli song, it just shows you how huge they were. Okay, so one thing. Second thing you might remember about Millie Vanilli is the fact that they were part of a huge scandal. They were, what? Fake. They weren't real in a certain sense. And that sense is that the two dudes who were the front people for Millie Vanilli who performed, who ended up lip syncing all of those songs, were models uh, dancers, uh, singers in their lives, but in particular not here, uh, hired to be Millie Vanilli and were found nowhere on the recording. They did not sing at all or play any instrument on the recording. The recording was made up of uh, crack songwriters and producers and crack session musicians and crack and, and great singers. And whoever the Machiavelli was behind all this in Germany, they were formed in Germany, and one dude was German, one dude was, was French, uh, had a, you know, brilliant idea to kind of create this, you know, group, which in subsequent decades happened openly all the time, both here and in Japan and Korea and many other places. But, but uh, you know, up until that point, that idea of putting forth two people who had nothing to do with the music was, you know, and doing it uh, in a way, unfortunately, where they were not telling the truth was a pretty a relatively new thing. And so what happened was they had all these giant hits, 
and were so revered that they ended up winning the Grammy for best artist. They may have won other Grammys, I do not recall. Um, subsequent to that, it was found out that they didn't do any of the singing. They weren't actually Milli Vanilli, and the Grammy was stripped from them. So you can see why I'm talking about this idea of, of trickery fakery this week with this, with this release. Um, now, subsequent to that, these are some things that you may not know. Uh, the two dudes are named uh, Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus. Don't quote me on the pronunciation there. Fab is a French singer-songwriter, model, dancer, uh, actor, I believe. Rob, um, and, a, and a rapper, Rob was a German uh, model, dancer, and singer. Uh, through the 90s, they attempted some comebacks. The people who were on the actual recording did other albums under the name Real Milli Vanilli, and I believe some other name didn't do that well, but they at least, you know, and eventually ended up on Oprah and all that stuff. So they had their day to be say, like, we were the people who created this amazing music. Um, and yes, it was amazing, and, uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and and that went where it went, but the Rob and Fab actually attempted their own comebacks, first under the name, the band name Rob and Fab, and then under the name again, Millie Vanilli, and in, in the late 90s, released an album, we're going to release an album, uh, a Millie Vanilli comeback album, as, as them, where they actually did sing on, on the, on the uh, record. And before it was released, Rob was found dead, I want to say it was in Frankfurt, Germany, of an apparent uh, overdose of, uh, you know, a lethal combination of prescription drugs and alcohol. So it went from a scandal, you know, to a tragedy. Um, and, you know, and that's, and that's a shame, right? Now, this is, of course, not the first scandal in the music world or in the art world in general. Uh, there have been a lot of scandals like, the you know, uh, this person who wrote a song, it sounds like another song, and those kind of have ended in very different ways. There's a famous Led Zeppelin one that I think might have just been settled. There's the George Harrison one. There's um, Sam Smith's song, you know, like there's all these other, there's all these other things, which I'm actually going to get to even a little bit more in uh, the next podcast on the, this, this Saturday. Um, that's one idea. There's artists recording under other names, putting on disguises. Uh, Garth Brooks famously created a character that was a rock dude and did a rock album and tried that. I think Chris something. I can't remember the last name. I wish I could. Um, other artists have put on uh, different voices or different characters. Uh, Prince had a character named Camille. He would sing in his high voice, pitched up and all that stuff. And this is something... That's, of course, different, you know, from the scandal of Millie Vanilli because all of these were deliberate. They were, they were meant to be uh, quote-unquote fake. You knew they were fake. They let you in on the, on the, you know, the fakery on the joke, if you will. And that's awesome. Other examples, a classic or vintage song that turned out to be completely brand new, uh, which I will mention a little later as well, um, and that I touched on in my retro so five years ago with the idea that there are musicians and artists and producers who are either hired to or want to create music that sounds just like a different era and purposely make it as close as possible to that so that if someone didn't know, they could totally fake them out. And that I actually find, you know, kind of cool. And then, and then now this is something a little even deeper more philosophical, if you will, uh, and, and, and has more to do with judgment and uh, our judgment and, and others. 
and even the artists themselves. And that's kind of the deep fake of artists pretending to be a certain type of artist when they have no background in that. Are they really not? Um, uh, let's say pretending to be a folk or blues or country through the work that they're doing when they grew up in a city and didn't really, they, their background had nothing to do with that music or something like that. Um, you know, I mean, I think honestly, I think Bob Dylan is a perfect example of that. And, um, you know, even Led Zeppelin in a way were, were another example of that, where they kind of had that hard blues and people were like, where's, you know, do you have any background in this? So the Stones, another perfect example. But the thing is, and this can happen in all of art, in music, and happens very often, honestly, and it's a part of an artist's development in a lot of ways, which is that idea, yeah, it's a cliche, fake it till you make it, which is, if you believe in your soul, you're a certain type of artist and you want to be that artist, then you put yourself forth as that in your work and your persona, et cetera, et cetera. And the things you say, David Bowie was huge on that. I mean, the amount of confidence he exuded was sometimes in inverse proportion to the amount of insecurity he felt, but he put it out there and made it. He made him into the things that he said that he was every single time, you know, and that's, that's the kind of trickery, illusion, fakery that is hugely beneficial, not just to the artist, but to the world of art and to, you know, and to fans. Um, but let's get back to these dudes here, uh, Millie Vanilli. Why are they even worth talking about? Is it just that they're huge? Well, that is one big reason, you know, because if they were, you know, small potatoes or one-hit wonder, nobody would really care if it was fake. They would say, oh, geez, that was fun. That's a scandal. Hey, did you know this? You know, trivia question, trivia answer. Uh, but the other thing is their music was actually good. The people behind that music created some really fun, great, heartfelt, and, and poppy music. I defy you to listen to any of the, the singles, at least, and not feel like you're enjoying them. Uh, I just uh, honestly hadn't heard their music in a really long time, and I listened to this one in particular before this podcast, and I can say without a doubt that, you know, I enjoyed it, right? And that's because, I yes, I believe that there should be truth in giving credit where credit is due, who did what, you know, that's extremely important. If you wrote a song that, that you know, lifted from another song, please just say that you did, or if you didn't know you did, then at least admit that, oh yeah, I guess I saw, I sort of did, right? Um, but illusion is a necessary part of art in one way or another. And uh, sometimes that illusion, you know, uh, advances art in a, in a wonderful way. And sometimes it's just fun, yeah, um, uh, fun, funny, however you want to put it. And that leads me to somewhat of a revelation. Uh, that's actually not the word, somewhat of a reveal. And that is that there is a concert that I did a few weeks ago on Facebook that is now on YouTube and you can look it up. And it has something to do with, uh, I think it's called The History of Modern Popular Music Using One Song. Okay, so look that up on my site. And it centers around a song called Move Ahead Long Boy, which is a, an old folk song that I discovered in my dad's collection 
dusted it off as much as I could. You can still hear the scratches, etc., etc. Done by some performer. I couldn't. There was no name. It was anonymous. And the the concert I did showed how that song has been covered over the decades by many artists of many different styles to show a that a good song is a good song no matter how it's done, and that b when you know. Uh, that good song can morph into the various different popular styles that happened through the decades, whether it was, uh, you know, blues or early rock and roll or prog rock or new wave or, you know, um, hip hop or soul or all of that. And I played, you know, snippets of each of those songs from each of those artists. The only thing about all of everything I just said there, though, is that it's completely untrue. Other than the ideas that a good song is a good, like the general ideas are true. But Move Ahead Long Boy is not an old song. It's a song I made up to make my kids laugh and then decided to record it in the style of 1930s, you know, scratchy, you know, 78 RPM recording and posted it on YouTube a few years ago with the story that I found it in my dad's collection. All right. Doing all these Facebook live shows, I got the idea of well, what if I used that as a history? And then created all of the songs, cover songs, versions that were done on this supposed, you know, classic old song, created the band names. None of those bands existed. The entire thing was a fake. Now, I then, during the show and after many, many times, said, I, I essentially dared people to find me out because I wanna be found out, I clearly, I'm telling you now. No one took the bait, you know, sadly, because it could have been really fun. But the idea was, I said, look up the bands and, and, and let me know if you find out more about them, because I really, like, I know a lot about them, I don't know that much, so I really like it. And, and that if they looked up any of this stuff, they wouldn't find it, because it's not on the internet, because it doesn't exist, ever happened, anyway. Um, that's one of many uh, examples, uh, although I think the most elaborate, of the kind of fun I have with faking. I do it with uh, my voice sometimes on recording. Um, I've taken on other characters in my music and things like that. And again, it's all deliberate. But the, you know, the point being, um, there's, there are many different levels of illusion in art, and, this is, and that's just one example of it. Uh, and, and, and as you know, as always, the links are above and below. There's a link to this information on the Millie Vanilli Baby, Don't Forget My Number. There are links to both the recording of Move Ahead Long Boy, that great old classic, and the actual concert that I did on uh, Facebook Live that is now on YouTube of all of the various versions of that. So please check those links out. Do you remember... Millie Vanilli, do you remember how huge they were? Do you remember how big the scandal was? Do you, do you remember any other music scandals? Some of the ones I mentioned, like My Sweet Lord, George Harrison, and stuff like that. And how do you feel about any of them? Does it take away your enjoyment of My Sweet Lord or of the Millie Vanilli songs? Do you, you know, are there different shades of what illusion and fakery and lies and all that is? Uh, how do you, you know, how important is any of this uh, to you? Uh, I want to know because... I want this conversation to continue because as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. Thank you so much for listening, for watching, for reading, for clicking, for sharing, for subscribing, and I'll see you next week.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.